You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. How are you doing this morning, Josiah? Feeling fine. That's what I like to hear. That is what everyone probably expects at this point. <laughs> They're just ready for it. It's the new trend. Eventually, people are probably going to stop even asking me. Yeah, he feels fine. He feels fine. I yeah. know he does. Until the day I don't. Yeah. They're like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm dying. That's, see, that's why we can't go around making assumptions. I experienced, what was it? We were talking about this before we recorded catharsis? with the radioactive. Oh, that's not catharsis. No. no. Let me tell you what. <laughs> what is that called? Yeah. So, okay. A little bit of a history lesson. <laughs> and it, this is, look, this is coming from someone, guess who I'm not? A scientist. <laughs> so, you know, it's a little bit apocryphal in the way I might describe it. But when uh, you're dealing with things of nuclear nature, specifically like the nuclear core or elements in and around surrounding this, when something bad happens, when it reaches a point of criticality. I like that word. Yeah, you too. It's really satisfying. The effect of it is not. (laughs) What actually happens in this point of criticality is a blue flash within the Mm. room or wherever you are, if you are horribly unfortunate enough to be close to it and witness this. It's a blue flash, but that's it. Nothing actually, you don't... You don't feel anything. You feel fine. Like, I think I'll go for a walk. Mm. See, that was a really veiled... Never mind. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So uh, you go home and you have a cup of coffee and you go to bed and then you die. Um, (laughs) Because what happens happens is in that moment, your DNA was obliterated, completely turned to dust, more or less. And your cells, which on a a good day are, yeah, they're they're constantly dying, but they're also constantly being remade. You know, we slough off any million number of dead skin cells, Mm. but they, you know, they reproduce, you know. Yeah. That's how the cells work. Right. Not anymore. Because <laughs> the DNA is dead. <laughs> and it doesn't have the pattern. Your blueprints are gone. They've been torched. We cannot build the body back. <laughs> yeah. So, man, when you walk away from that, you're just on a decline. You're, you're, just, you're just dying. The term is what you were originally referring to. Yeah. The, what I've most recently heard it described as a, um, I think it's like a walk walking death phase. Or mm. Walking ghost phase. Walking ghost face. I think. Anyway, obviously the sentiment that, that it's communicating is that you are a dead man walking. Yes. Yikes. So, yeah, you asked me that and I... You could be a dead man I walking. I could be a dead man walking. If you've been like rooting around nuclear plants. And you see a blue flash. Oof. It's like, make your phone calls. Yeah, genuinely, unfortunately, like, that's just it. like, well... It's like, I know I feel fine. But I'm not. And that's even it. Like I could say, I'm like, see that blue flash? How are you feeling? I feel I fine. I feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> Deep inside <laughs> DNA is... <laughs> It's like oh. the um, that episode of SpongeBob where mm. they're looking around his, in his brain. He's got the multiple little SpongeBob's <laughs> looking over the file. They're like, where is it? And that's your just that's your fire. like your, your body d- looking d- for like they can't. Your cells are like dying. They're like, oh, we need to replace them. Like, oh. where's the file? Where's the file? <laughs> the boardroom of your DNA is on fire. <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't laugh about, but like, uh, what a bizarre concept. Really, truly a is parable for that mm. somewhere. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, hey, you know, speaking of like the nuclear age, yeah, today's discussion, uh-huh. the, the Christian classic that we're getting into, was popular. Not just popular, written, I should say, came out, released, published, if you will, at. One of the uh, zenith points of the nuclear age. Really? Yeah. I yeah. don't know this. Yeah. And I know in the past, I have made fun of the quote unquote modern classic concept because- I, I just listened to the episode in which you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. 
<laughs> yes, because, well, as you well know, Ben, that I, I feel like that's a, kind of an oxymoron. Yeah, I get A it. little bit, you know what I mean? Like classic, time-tested, old, it's, modern. I feel like it's a knowing oxymoron. Yeah, and that's fair. And that's fair. And I say all this and preface all this because I'm about to become the very thing I swore to destroy. <laughs> because the classic book that we're looking at today is pretty close. Pretty close to modern. Okay. Pretty close. Um, okay. I mean, it, it is fairly... There's just really no way around it. I mean, it's 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 pretty recent. You might be jeopardizing your grand list grand scheme of things. Yeah, I know. So, you know, it just is what it is. Okay. Sometimes you have to break the rule in order to uphold it? Question mark? You gotta know... Know the rules? When to hold them. You gotta know the rules to break them. Know when to fold them. <laughs> know when to walk away. This is bad moral advice, by the way. No. <laughs> <laughs> what I am saying. That is... I'm that just... Is, you know what? I'm just gonna sing next time. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Kenny Rogers. <laughs> so, yeah, no, this book, which I feel like I'm trying to tease it, even though if you've read the, the title, title, you know what it is. So, but I'm going for it anyway. I'm going forward. I think by the time we went through the nuclear age, they've really forgotten what we were meant to talk yeah, about. Yeah, they were like, whoa, are we talking about Russia? Are we talking about Chernobyl here? What is are we talking about? War? What? What? So, actually, even if you've read the title and you know, maybe yeah. this will be a fun bit of trivia. This book was not originally a book at all. Oh. Yeah. Plot twist. It wasn't okay. a book. It was actually first a series of talks given on BBC Radio. Really? While World War II was raging. Oh, like wow. in the middle of World War II. Pretty interesting dynamics going on there. So like Churchill was making his announcements and you're like, got to change the channel after that. And you hear this? Yes. Actually, almost precisely that. Wow. Okay. Yes. So these were short 15 minute talks that explored the nature of the Christian faith at its essence, at its core, um, not just like what Christians believe, but how they're then expected to live. And he just explored these in little 10 to 15 minute talks. So does that mean they were like transcribed? They did end up being transcribed. And they were so popular and so received that the gentleman who was delivering these talks, his publisher was like, hey, like we need to make these into or booklets or something, yeah. and long story short, in I think it was 1952, so almost a decade after he had given the initial talks, they were all compiled and edited together into one book that could be made a little more permanent, obviously, because, you know, radio talks are, yeah. that's not really, especially back in the 40s, you know, it's right. not like you had YouTube or something, or you're just getting on there and be like, oh, let me listen to that again. So uh, the resulting book came to be known as Mere Christianity. Indeed, I by have. By C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Yes, yes. And it really, it really is a, cl I mean. It's more reason than I thought. It is. And someone called me actually just a few days ago, as a matter of fact, asking what's a good book in addition to the Bible <laughs> that <laughs> I could recommend to a brand new Christian, like someone, okay, I mean, yeah. Hot off the street, so to speak. You know what I mean? Uh, what, that's not hot off the press is what I was going through. That's what I was going for. And instead right. it came hot off the street. It's you know, right. what is it? Straight off the street. I don't know. Brand new Christian, you know. I mean, freshly minted. Freshly minted. Yeah. All these weird expressions applied so to a person. Who's, I don't like that one. You know, stepped into faith. And this is the book I recommended was Mere Christianity. Okay. So it is excellent. You don't really need so much a roadmap to get through this one because it's, I mean, it's so clearly written. It's like all C.S. Lewis books, just very accessible. And he kind of gives you the roadmap at the beginning of the book anyway. Really? To talk about it because it's divided into three parts. So 
you kind of get in part one, he doesn't even really get to Christianity necessarily in the first part. He's just getting to, here's like the problem that humanity has. Mm -hmm. And then he gets into the essence of Christian belief. So he calls it mere Christianity because you're talking about what all Christians more or less hold as essential. Um, that we could all agree on. Yeah. Kind of those first rank apostles. That's creed. exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. So he's talking about that. And then in the third part, he's talking about like the ethical life of okay. a Christian, how that's supposed to get lived out. So I don't really need that so much, but I did want to talk about and call to our attention some things I think will be helpful as you're reading it. Mm-hmm. It's just something maybe to hopefully enrich your time in the book a little more. It's really hard to improve on. C.S. Lewis. It really, any of the classics we've talked about and we're going to talk about, you can't really, I mean, improve on them, but I think you can dive a little more deeply into certain aspects of them. Sure. That can make the reading a little more enriching. So to get right to the point there, again, the title, Mere Christianity, you're going into a book where he really is talking about the essential doctrines, the first rank. We'll mm-hmm. use that term. I think mm-hmm. that's more helpful. The first rank doctrines that all Christians hold in common, that we yeah. could really all agree on. Um, in fact, when he was going to have this published, if I'm not mistaken, he sent off a copy to a Catholic, a Methodist, a Baptist, and a Presbyterian just for fun. Just say like, <laughs> hey, what are you like? What do you think about this? Do you have any changes? Anything here you don't agree on? And I think the only feedback that he got back was the Methodist was like, could you talk a little bit more maybe about faith, like the, the actual nature of faith? That's interesting. And I think, I really am not sure if I remember this correctly, but maybe the Roman Catholic was wanting a little bit more on Mary. Yeah. I think he was wanting a little bit more on that. Other than that, they were all like, yeah, this is like, yeah, this is good. This is the heart of Christianity. That was kind of a bold move. Um, So, yeah, and pretty amazing that you get, I mean, those are four very different traditions within Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that he kind of get consensus on that is pretty remarkable. So when you're reading it, yeah, don't expect to hear a lot on tertiary doctrines, third (laughs) or fourth rank. Like you're wondering like, what did C.S. Lewis think about, uh, you know? End times, for example, yeah. you know, like what was his view on the millennium? Like you're sometimes not going to get any of that. Arcane, sometimes hot topic. Things yeah, exactly. Not being covered. Yeah, here. you're not going to get that here. You're really going to get the heart of Christianity. Yeah, which is good for not only I think a new believer, but I just for fun, knowing that we were going to be doing this at some point and talking about it, like I'll, I'll read it again just yeah. for fun. And so refreshing and just so helpful to me to remember. Oh yeah, like this is the heart of what we believe, and yeah. he just says it so clearly, and it's such great. Word pictures and the way he talks about things is really helpful stuff for new Christian and seasoned Christian alike. Because I think we, to this point, when you're reading the epistles, for example, you will see semi-frequently Paul and Peter and implicitly in folks like John say things like, I'm writing these things to you by way of reminder, or I'm seeking to stir up your mind by sincere reminder. Mm -hmm. You really get this impression that if you've been a Christian for very long, you're not going to really learn anything new, so to speak. For example, I've read the Bible through, I don't know, over a dozen times probably in my life. I'm never going to read a new word in the Bible ever, (laughs) ever again, right? Like I've read them all, but I can read those same old words and have fresh insights about them and come to like, oh yeah, like I I hadn't thought about it like that before or I hadn't seen it that way or oh, that truth is landing on my heart a little differently because of where I am in life, because of what's going on. Mere Christianity, I think, is a book like that. Like even if you're a seasoned Christian. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm trying to get at is like the new Christian, it'll be great for them because- 
you're getting a really great introduction to the heart of the faith. It's a clear primer. Yes. Mm-hmm. For the seasoned Christian, it's one of those things where I feel like C.S. Lewis can stir up your heart by way of sincere reminder. Yeah, okay. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, like this is the heart of the faith. Because I think it's so easy, and what a book like this does for us is, and I say this because I'm guilty of it in my own way, but we can really easily get it on hobby horses, theologically. <laughs> and and you can be like, well, if you don't hold to, and it ends up being like a third or fourth rank doctrine. Exactly. Even, you're like, well, if you don't hold to that, you're anathema. You're not a Christian. <laughs> exactly. I was you know? that exact word even. Yeah. yeah I get, and, we get into those ruts. Yeah. And um, until you have someone like Lewis saying, no, here is what all Christians more or less are historically agreed upon. You can forget that. I can forget that and get so. really stuck on those hobby horses, you know? Yeah. So it's really refreshing in that way. And that's what he's covering in this book. Now, here's the other interesting thing about this. And I think this is worth diving into because he doesn't get into it in the book because it's not the topic of this book. But he does say it very explicitly. In his introduction, he compares Christendom or Christianity to this great house. And he says in this house, basically, there are many rooms. And what he says is the mere Christian, for lack of a better term, the person who really, all they hold to is those essentials. They're in the hallway, okay? Oh, and when you're in the hallway, you see this door over here is labeled. This is like all oh, the, the Presbyterians hang out in this room. All oh, the Catholics hang out in this room. All oh, the, the Eastern Orthodox hang out over here and the, the Methodists hang out here. The Presbyterians are over here. The non-denominational are over here, on and on and on. And what he says is it's wonderful to be in the hallway. Like we all start there and you have to start in the hallway. But there ought to come a point where you, you really ought to pick a room. And like get into that room. That's not what I expected. Right. And he doesn't talk about that at all in the book. The remainder of the book, he's not talking about that. And he's very forthright because he was a by the book Anglican. Okay. C.S. Lewis was. So he would say, and I think he said this actually in that book. If you want to know what I believe on, you know, all these other issues that I'm not going to talk about in this book, he's like, it's really simple. Just go consult the Book of Common Prayer and the 39 Articles. And like, you'll know, like what I think. And that's part of what he's getting at is the advantage of this is that there are those other issues that are important. So he's not saying the third and fourth rank doctrines aren't important. Right. What he's saying is they're not what you have to hold to in order to be in the hallway of Christianity, so to speak. But you do at some point probably need to decide what do I think about these third rank doctrines? What do I think about these fourth rank doctrines? And what he says is that at the point you start actually narrowing that down, and even some, and I'd actually say a number of second rank even, he doesn't get so much in the second rank. He does a little bit more about that in a minute. But um, at the point that you start making those decisions, it's going to kind of naturally actually lead you into a room anyway. Right. So he, he does advise you to do that, which I actually think is very helpful because to kind of counterbalance what I said at the beginning, you don't, again, want to say that, well, because you're not in the Presbyterian room, you're not a Christian. That's not the point, right? <laughs> right. But you do want to be in that room so that you can like you can develop and grow and so that you can make some sort of an advancement in those other doctrines. And I find it very interesting that um, that doesn't rule out maybe at some point in your life like, oh, you know what? I was in this room for a while, but actually I think I belong in that room. Uh, so he's not saying I, yeah. make your decision and like now you're stuck there. Right. I know a guy. I don't know him personally. That sounds like, I know this guy personally. I know of a guy Mm -hmm. who was a, um, he was a Presbyterian minister. He's a guy I read almost all of his life. And he's, he's old now. Like, I mean, he's retired from full-time ministry. He's doing other stuff, still writing and whatnot. So I think he's in his early seventies and he just went over to Anglicanism Really, at that point in his life. And that's that's definitely, you don't expect that. Like you think like all the time, you know, you're that age, like you're settled, you're set, you're good. And that's fine. But, he went over to Anglicanism. I think that's freeing to hear. Yeah, yeah. And so Lewis will encourage you to do that in this book, to get into the room and to not stay in the hallway. And Essentially, in such a way that helps you 
sort through these other things. Yes, exactly, okay. exactly. So it's not one of these things, again, where you're cultivating this tribalism that says, uh-huh. again, like, we're the real Christians and everyone in those other rooms is not. Right. That might be your future kin. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, I mean, like, and the reality is, is if they hold to that mere Christianity, talking are. about the book, you are going to be in the kingdom with them. Exactly. You know? So I think it's funny that, um, again, I think it's in this book where he would say that like the church at Rome would want to say they're the whole house and he's saying like oh no I'm giving you a room you know what I mean like yeah. that's even kind yeah. of funny so that's kind of an example of that but I would pay attention to that because it's a little detail that the book's not really about but it's important to bear in mind as you're reading through it is mm-hmm. what I'm getting at because it, you could get to the end of that book and say yeah I believe all these things and pff, now I don't need to work through anything else like <laughs> well like it is important to decide what your view of baptism is as an yeah, example like sure. he doesn't really talk about that in there you do need to figure that out though you know what i mean and that's going to put you in a room at some point mm. somewhere along the way so that's the second thing and then the last thing that i find very interesting about this book and will be helpful going forward out of it is how c.s lewis kind of reasons his way to god in the first part of the book so he doesn't make an argument for the christian god really he's just saying let's talk about why we think the way we think about things. So, for example, he talks about moral law and he's talking about why is it that we expect people to behave a certain way? Like, why is it we get upset if someone, for example, stole my wallet? Why do I get mad about that? Well, because I've been, like, wronged, right? Like, you you took something that belonged to me without my permission, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you can read it because he does a much better job of it in the book. And I just, you know, don't want to repeat his whole argument. But he basically works his way all the way up to saying that there's this moral lawgiver who is pure goodness, right? He's just pure goodness. And at first, you would be tempted to say, oh, that's very sweet. Like, oh, this God, he's pure goodness. And what he actually draws out is like, that is actually the most terrifying reality in the world. Really? Okay. Right? Because you're not expecting that. You're like, what? What do you mean that's the most terrifying reality in the world? He says, here is a pure goodness. And we determined the fact that like you get upset at the way others behave because they don't live up to your standard. And you upset others because you don't live up to that standard, Mm -hmm. you are not good. Like, you fail to live into a pure goodness. Right. And pure goodness can't handle that. Like, you can't, that, it just, like, it has to obliterate. So you've you've wronged the ultimate good. Yes. And, like, apart from any thought of forgiveness, or that that goodness is also merciful, Mm -hmm. like, that goodness would be merciless. Like, it would be absolutely wipe you off the face of the planet. And I just find that very interesting because that's not a perspective that you would talk about very often. And that's, all that it says, that's where Lewis gets you to the point of crisis if you're not a Christian. Because he also wrote this to people who weren't yet, that they were like thinking about it, skeptical about it. And that's the other great thing about this book is you could you could just as easily hand it to someone who's not a Christian that wants to know more about Christianity and is maybe, to use Christ's words, not far from the kingdom and help bring them to the threshold of the house, so to speak. <laughs> and the way he just, he reasons his way to these things, it's just so clear and so compelling. And um, it's a great model for how I think we can do that in the public space. Because he does it in a way that's very disarming. It's very much a like, well, like, so you do this. Have you considered why you do that? Let's get to the bottom of that. Why do you think that? Well, it's probably because X, Y, Z. And kind of just getting down to the bottom of these things. Yeah. And really helpful in that regard. Especially in the times in which we live. Very polarizing. 
I think, very easy for us to just kind of shout above each other and talk past each other rather than asking questions and trying to say like, well, maybe we agree more than we think and maybe our disagreements aren't as crazy as we think. But we won't know that until we're able to like talk and ask questions. And that's what Lewis does so well in this book. And he's such a great model of this. Mm. He's a model of uh, erenic discussion on issues of eternal significance that can very easily become heated yeah. if you're not careful. So I commend just, I think his method is what I'm getting at here. Mm-hmm. When you're reading the book, like pay attention to his method, pay attention to how he gets you to where he gets you. Cause you'll probably find yourself gently let along and be like, Oh, like, yeah, well, <laughs> wow, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And like, as opposed to this, you know, finger right in your face exactly. and screaming at you, you know, yeah. telling you here's what's what. So yeah, that's mere Christianity. Mm. And I think the only other thing worth mentioning, just because kind of as an aside, is that he really does get to the mereness of Christianity, but it is funny, some of his Anglicanism does come through, and he can't help that, and that's fine. I think it's just funny, like the way he talks about the sacraments, which I'm completely comfortable with, but he talks about them in a very Anglican way. I say this as an example, because like if you're someone who really leans more toward just the symbolism of, say, like baptism and communion. He talks about it a little less symbolically and a little more like it does something. Okay. Very Anglican. Um, You know, so so some of that does come through. But 99% of it, you're getting mere Christianity. And there's a reason it's still being recommended, you know, as a basic work of faith, as an introduction to it, and as an apologetic work, you know, golly, 70 years later. Yeah. Which is really remarkable because you'd think— Talking about the nuclear age to bring this full circle. Mm -hmm. Certain books really show their time. They're so locked into that time, it's hard to read them. And the hallmark, I think, of a classic is its timelessness, so to speak, that you can read it at basically any point, at any time, and you still get it. And it still reads clearly and it's understandable. And C.S. Lewis definitely was the master of that. Mm. You need to get that in Mere Christianity. It's a great book. If you haven't read it, read it. And if you have, read it again. All right. <laughs> Highly recommend it. So yeah, well, that concludes this uh, this episode of Christian Classics. Looking at this little tidbit here. So thanks as always for listening. If you have any questions on this or you want us to look at another book, email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net or you can interact with us on social media. If you found this helpful, if it uh, spurred you on to go pick up a copy of Mere Christianity and you want to leave us an honest five-star review for that reason, we'd, we'd happily receive it. We would. You know, if you want to call this podcast a modern classic. <laughs> if you do. Don't actually. <laughs> if you do, maybe just choose less lofty words. <laughs> you know, we'll Don't put us on that sentiment. pedestal. Yeah, because someone will read that and they'll be like, these boys? Wow, no. really? High praise. <laughs> but thank you as always for listening and we'll catch you next time.